you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your Northwest Division Best Bets episode for win totals, division prices, and derivatives for the NBA season, which is quickly approaching. Can't believe how fast the season is going to be here. To help me break it all down is Brandon Anderson. He's NBA Futures Analyst for the Action Network. Everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks, you get all sorts of cool stuff. This podcast is in there, along with all of our great podcasts, Big Bets on Campus, the Action Network podcast, Line Change if you're betting hockey, who doesn't want to bet hockey, Playoff Pitch for the MLB Playoffs, so much cool stuff. Check it out on the Action Network app. Also, these shows can also be found on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for the Action Network, and you can check out a video version of this show, as well as all of our great shows and our live shows like Green Dot Daily, which Brandon and I make regular appearances on. As always, we'll go down our list of the best bets that we have for this division, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about the cap. Brandon, we'll start with you. Last episode that we did, we started off with the Southwest Division, and I was very light. I am not light on this division. How about you? I am a little lighter on this division, at least for me. I had four bets out of the five teams last division, so I'm a little lighter here. Give me my Minnesota Timberwolves on the over, 44 and a half. Give me the division odds for the Wolves, too. That's my favorite bet in the division is Timberwolves division at plus 700. And then Denver Nuggets under 54 and a half. Those are my bets. I lean under Blazers and OKC and pass on the Jazz. But best bets, Wolves over, Nuggets under, and Wolves division. All right, uh, I, you and I are aligned on much of this. We've talked about the Nuggets where the, the under was the first bet that I made this summer when we looked at those win totals. I've got the Nuggets under. Uh, I'm going to be on the Wolves with you on the over and on the division price at plus 700. Uh, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder over, and I lean over on the Utah Jazz, lean under on the Portland Trailblazers. We'll break this all down. Let's start. We're going to go over. We've done most of the cap on this, but for folks that missed it, I do think it's important for us to go ahead and give the reasoning for why we're where we are on the Denver Nuggets, the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets with uh, the reigning finals MVP, Nikola Jokic. They got a young, young bench now. They lose Bruce Brown and Jeff Green in the market. The number on this team, 52.9. What a what a big number. Uh, that is for the Nuggets. What is your thought as far as why you're on the Nuggets under? I, I want to just can you can you explain to me and to the people? Tell me 52.9. Why why are we not a point five? Explain just like the 30 second definition of where are we getting where are you getting that number from? Yeah, so I've got uh, I've got 
odds from the market across multiple books. So we have 53 and a halves in the market. There's 52 and a halves in the market. And so if we average those out, we come out to 52.9. So Got that's it. where we get to that number is there is, you can bet the under 53 and a half, which is the best number that, that you can find. And you should definitely absolutely shop around for those numbers. But there are also 52 and a halves in the market, depending on where you're at. So I like to give an idea of like, what's the average and 52.9 is what we come out with across the, the books that I've looked at. Beautiful. So I actually said 54 and a half in my open. So we're already dropping down here. So yeah. th this number is already moving down a little bit since you had this early. I was with you. It's just a high number. That's that's really it. it it's a very high number of wins. I'll, I'll let you do the trends on how that works out with these teams at the high end of the win total. We know what the Nuggets are. They're going to be good. I have them third, third on offense. I have them 15th on defense. So, hey, have you seen the Denver Nuggets play? They're really, really good offensively. They're fine on defense. They're a little better than that in the playoffs. This is not the playoffs. This is the long game. They just won. They had a lot of miles from a long division or a long playoff run. And I just think that they're going to treat the regular season like a champion would treat the regular season and, and kind of do the slow Jokic ramp up that he usually does. And, uh, you know, take care of Jamal Murray, take care of MPJ, make sure that they are not getting too much mileage on them. It's the long game. Like, they expect to be playing. They should be expecting to be playing until June. It's September, Matt. Like, you you gotta, you can't sprint out of the gates. And I think Denver knew that, but now they know that. Like, now they know and have earned it. The bench minutes thing, I think, probably matters more in the playoffs. But they are losing effectively like 4,000 bench minutes of Bruce Brown and, and Jeff Green and to a lot of younger guys, and the younger guys aren't all going to hit. Like somebody, I think Watson's a pretty good fit if he hits. I'm, I don't know that Strother will be ready yet. I did, did not love the Reggie Jackson edition. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. They'll be fine by May. They'll find some answers. It will maybe cost a win or two at some point, but I don't think it moves the needle too much now. It's just a high number. We know what Denver is. I don't think that they're going to make a big push at the end. It feels like an under to me. Yeah, so a lot of this starts with my projection, right? So I've got my power rating system, and it factors in uh, the things I care about, which is how do you play in the half court, and how do you play in transition on both sides of the floor. My numbers don't like Denver. They're not going to like Denver because they had those stretches where they played absolutely terrible. They played badly. Everyone yeah. focuses on that last month of the season, but they forget that the Nuggets were not great in the beginning of the season either. They ramped up slow because they were on the road a lot. And then they knew they were going to be home, so they killed when they were at home from December through the end of January. And then they basically coasted out. Like, they took care of, of business. They got through February. In March, they beat the Grizzlies, which essentially locked the number one seed for them. Then they stopped caring, and their metrics fell off a cliff, right? That's not representative of how good Denver can be if it chooses to be. But my problem is, what reason do I have to believe that they're going to choose to play better? Yeah. Like, What reason do I have to believe that they're going to give more effort? coming off of a championship with the kind of hangover. Like, Jokic hasn't touched a basketball until this week. He got in, and and he honestly, he beat my estimate. Media day was on Monday at 9 a.m. in Denver time. I expected him to be in Denver Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So he was actually here early. He got in at Monday at 8.30. That's when he got in from the airport. Like, got off the plane, came into Denver, showed up for media day, and did his job, because that's, a, like, he's a professional. My projection for them, because I had to I had to take some off for Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, and I'll talk about why. Yeah. I had to, had to take a little bit off of it. Like, I've got them at 46 wins. Does that mean wow. I think that they win 46? No. Like, I think they probably win between 46 and 50. But I don't think they win 50 games this season. I think they're going <laughs> to coast. I think they're going to be under. Um, the bench stuff is really fascinating and, and because you have to apply context, okay? The non-Jokic minutes were so bad last season. So, and they've been bad the last, basically since Mason Plumley left because the Nuggets have not employed an actual backup center. And that tends to be a little bit of an issue. But the backup minutes are absolutely a disaster every year. And last season, it was minus 10.4 in net rating. Oof. The upside to this is that, and this is a, a thought amongst many Nuggets fans and analysts, it can't possibly be worse. You add Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, more minutes for Christian Brown, Jalen Pickett, second rounder, who everyone's really high on as a backup yep. point guard. 
Reggie Jackson takes over kind of as a backup point guard full-time. Uh, Hunter Tyson looks like he's going to be pretty good. They add Justin Holiday, who everyone's kind of spoken highly of as far as a veteran presence. But none of this addresses the fact that when Jokic is off the floor, there is a bigger drop from him to his replacement than any other player in the league. Joel Embiid goes, went last year, went from, it was Joel to Montrez Harrell and Paul Reed. Yes, the, the gap there is massive. That's a massive gap because Joel Embiid, for all the jokes that you and I make, is an elite player. That's- but there's a difference between that and going from Nikola Jokic to DeAndre Jordan. And so, like, Zeke Naji is probably the backup five to start. But even then, I'm still with the idea of, like, you know what? The bench can be bad, but it may be with the young guys. Just effort might still be better than last year. The yeah. problem is actually not the non-Jokic minutes. It's the drop in your performance in the non-starter Jokic minutes. It's going from Jamal Murray to Reggie Jackson. If Murray has to miss a game, Reggie is now the, the full-time point guard. And then the guy that subs out for Reggie for, for Jamal in the Jokic minutes is second round pick Jalen Pickett. Yeah. Um, if, if Michael Porter Jr. is out, Peyton Watson is going to start, which means that now the eighth man is going to be Hunter Tyson or Zeke Naji having to play both four and five. They lost Lacko Chanchar, an actual veteran who's a pretty good player, to an ACL injury in FIBA. So like, there's this massive drop across all of these types of things, and that to me is like a big part of why you want to go ahead and uh, play the under here. I do think it's worth a full play on the under. The other thing that I would kind of like get to on this is that historically, when we look at the trends in the NBA, if you have a win total of greater than 50, it does not hit. Like, it just simply doesn't hit. That's just been the the track record of these performances. The numbers across the last 11 seasons, 37, 22, and 1 to the under if you have a win total greater than 50. It gets worse if you the, the higher that you go up. Because guess what? It's harder to win that. I basically found that 50 is a key number in win totals. How about this? 52 or higher, 31 and 16 to the under the last 11 seasons. That's 66% of the time. Like, hmm. that's this is there's a bunch of ways we can do the basketball side of this brandon for but for me this is you mentioned it you're like it's just a, it's just really high the numbers say not only is it high but like when you get into this range you better have a damn good reason not to play the under and i don't have one yeah. for denver yeah I, I think that's basically it. and what's interesting too and noticing like i you know i do like the offense and defensive ratings so basketball reference, the, the numbers are a bit flawed there. I know some of the other sites have a bit less noisy numbers on it. We just go by the ratings there. Defensively, Denver's been between 12th and 15th last three years in a row. Right there, right at average, basically. Slightly above average. Offensively, I remember last year, I was very high on this team coming in. I'm not taking victory lap in the championship. This is all about regular season. But I like the one seed. I like the offense. I thought that they might have the number one best offense of all time. Like that, that was my prediction for the team. They didn't. They have finished fifth, sixth, or seventh in offensive rating five straight seasons. Yeah. Five years in a row, they are a really, really good offense that's not elite for the whole season. That's not a critique. That is the non Jokic minutes. It's the bench minutes. It's the guys missing games. It's the punting games at the end of the season. It's all that stuff that weighs in because all that stuff weighs into the win total, and it matters because the difference between being number one with a bullet offensively and number five is the wins we're missing here. Like, that's that's the difference to me. So I'm going to say, actually, despite all of that, now that the numbers dropped, so I had it under 54.5. I don't think that's out there anymore. 53.5, you might only be able to play a 52.5. I think I'm a lean here. Two reasons. Number one, it's because I have a different way I'd rather play this that we're going to talk about shortly. And number two, I have to ask you this because he's he's your guy, especially. He's my guy too, but you're there. Michael Mullen's still undefeated to the over for his career in Denver, is he not? And you are fading him with a full bet. Does that give you any pause here? There were comments on Media Day about 
they're very much committed to quote getting better. Like that's what they want to talk about. Like they're very this team is in a very good place vibes wise. What I would tell you is if you listen to all this and you're like, I don't believe you. This this starting five is still the best in basketball, which I think is a pretty like you have a pretty good argument that it is. Um this is still the defending champions. This is still Jokic who has coasted to 50 wins every year. It's still Michael Malone who, as we mentioned, has gone over every single year. I'm not buying it. If I'm wrong, you want to play an all over here. You want to get into the 60s range. There's numbers for them to mm-hmm. get, get to get the 60 and you want to go that range. Because what that means basically is that they are so good now that they can coast to 60. Um, and if you're like, if you're balking at that and you're like, come on, they're not that good you wouldn't have thought the San Antonio Spurs were either when they were cranking out 63, 67 win seasons. Like yeah. the Spurs were able to do it and load manage because they were so good and so lethally efficient and so good at managing the schedule that they just absolutely crushed teams. Denver was the best home court advantage team last season. They are really good versus teams under 500, despite kind of a feeling that they screw around. This team has still been really good in those categories. All the things that add up to strong win totals, the Nuggets have been good at. My thing is I think that they slip a little bit in those key areas, and I do not think that there's any reason to believe that that's a priority for them. Like that's what you have. I will tell you that that's what you have to say to yourself is I think they're so good that they can get the 55 wins essentially without really trying. And I don't think Denver is that good. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I think if you want that alt over, that 60-win coasting Spurs-type team, I don't think either one of us would flinch at all if we saw that happen. Like, Denver's nope. really good. We like yep. Denver a lot. To me, I agree with all the, the little things, the coaching things, the effort things. I think that's a bet on Jamal Murray staying for the entire season and going forward, the version we saw in the playoffs. And I don't yep. think that was a fluke. I do think... That is a version of himself that he saves for the big moments in the playoffs and doesn't need, and this team doesn't need every night. So if you think that that's just a permanent leap and and like Jamal Murray is the D Wade to this team's LeBron superstar, then you should bet the alts and you should bet the 60 wins. And oh my gosh, they're going to destroy teams. If, if the version we saw in the playoffs, if, if you're getting that every night, I think that's the upside version of the team. I have them at 47 to 53 wins. So I'm a little higher on them than your number has them, but I'm almost equally as high on the other team in the division. Are you ready to move past Denver to Minnesota? I cannot believe that you, (laughs) who have shit on your teams, the Bulls and the Wolves, every year I have done this podcast with you, I have never heard you say a positive thing about either franchise and you love the Wolves almost as much as me. I'm almost as shocked as you are, Matt. I did not see this coming. I, As you know, I am a sports nihilist. I assume the worst outcomes for my teams. I grew up a Cubs fan and a Vikings fan, so it is beaten into me that at the height of when things might go well is when they go worst. And the Timberwolves, that's just kind of part of the fandom for me. I don't love the Rudy Gobert trade that they made. I don't love the way they built the team as they did the work on them. I was like, man, there's a lot to like about what this team is. So here's where I'm going to start. The Minnesota Timberwolves are one of three teams in the NBA for me, three that I have top 10 offense and top 10 defense, three teams. And it's one of them is the Timberwolves. That's pretty good. Now, they're barely in. I have them ninth on offense and 10th on defense. So I don't think they're going to be a juggernaut in either area. If if there's 30 teams and you're top 10 at the only two things you're measuring, you're pretty good. Like, that's that's you don't have to do a lot of math to figure that out. They are going to be a lot better offensively than I would have expected them to. And I think that's the thing for me here is the offense was was rough last year. The offensive rating was quite poor, much worse than I thought it had been. Why? They lost Carl Anthony Towns for, like, effectively most of the season. He barely played and wasn't himself when he did play. Rudy Gobert was not good offensively in particular last year, wasn't himself defensively. Part of that is just going to happen. He's, he's not. It's a new team. It's not the same guys around him, and it's an older version. I don't think he's going to go back to being 
I think three-time defensive player of the year. I don't think he's going to win defensive player of the year. I think he'll be better. I think with Mike Conley now for the whole season, who obviously he knows how to play with, D'Lo was pretty good. Like, I don't think Conley for D'Lo is really a huge swap out, but I think Conley being there for what it does for Carl and especially for Gobert is an improvement. So you get a better version of Rudy. You get, I think, probably like 45 games-ish of Towns is what I'm counting into the minutes. That's a lot of a very good player. So I know I, as much as anyone, we love to dump on Carl Anthony Towns. That's a good player, especially offensively. And we just saw what Anthony Edwards did at the World Cup. I've been an ant skeptic. He looks awesome. And he looked awesome in the playoffs. And he looked awesome in the biggest moments. And I don't know if he is an MVP player right now. I am not betting on it. But advanced metrics-wise, he wasn't a huge impact player. By the way, I ranked players last year. I think that he takes a serious, significant step forward to basically be what people have thought he could be. But night after night, we've seen his intensity. We've seen his defense. I think we're going to get more continuity on the team, more health on the team. They were 23rd on offense. I have them ninth now. So that's a huge jump. I basically just have them the same on defense, effectively. And uh, so that gives me over 44 and a half pretty easily. I have them anywhere from 45 to 52 wins. And that basically puts them just a hair behind the Denver Nuggets, neck and neck at the top of the division. Do you, uh, do you want the, the trends on top 10 offense defense? Yeah, let's yeah. hear them. If you think that they're a top 10 offense and defense like Brandon does, teams with a win total of under 50, because we talked about that being the, the key number, teams with a, a top 10 offense and defense win total under 50, 16 and 1 to the over. <laughs> now, again, to be fair, I've got them ninth on offense and 10th yep. on defense. So a little bit of a slide it's literally here. like you're a couple of buckets away from falling out of one of those two. Yep. But nonetheless, it's a good, if the trend is that strong, you know how skeptical I am on the trend. 16 to one, you're going to win me over on that one. So I like that. By the way, I noticed too, Minnesota is not a team that books are enjoying setting win totals for. Minnesota has five years in a row finished at least five wins above or below the win total. Yeah. Like the line is never right for the Timberwolves. And I don't think it's right. 44 and a half. My numbers basically are saying, yeah, I think it's off by like five wins here. So I've got them on the over. I love the division bet, plus 700. That's my best bet in the division. That is a multi-unit bet for me because I think Denver is the favorite in the division, but only slightly, and by like a win or two effectively. Like I have it as not quite a coin flip, but I, I basically have Minnesota, and, and we'll get to the other teams. I'm under on everyone else in the division. I'm over on Minnesota, under on everyone. So... I'm not in on Portland or Utah at all for the division odds. I don't put OKC into the mix. I think you'll probably argue otherwise. To me, this is one of two teams. So basically, two teams are getting nearly 100% of my division odds. So I have Minnesota like 40%. That's a plus one to 50. I get plus 700. I have to play multiple units. Yeah, I've got them at 47 uh, wins versus the 44.6 average line. So we've got I've got two and a half wins of an overmark here. I have them ahead of Denver right now. And that's just wow. like based off of the power rating, right? Like this will adjust. Like I don't necessarily expect, like I like the number on the division. They're still at that MGM. Uh, it's off the board currently because for some reason Northwest, I think because they haven't updated after the odds for um, uh, Portland after they yeah. traded Damian Lillard. But in the market, there's a plus 550. There's some of the longer odds. Like I think the Wolves are actually taking a little bit of money on this. Here's a good way of thinking of because you know I've talked about the numbers and everything, and I've given the trends. But here's like a pretty good way: they win 42 games with Carl Anthony Towns playing two months of the season, and the win total is only two and a half higher. Let's uh, lo let's look at it this way: uh, estimated wins last season in terms of what he actually provided last season. Uh, Towns was at 2.8, so like in a third of the season, he gave 2.8. Like the num the math on this is not hard to figure do, out. That this is an overplay. Do Do you have that number from like the previous season or a different town season, just to give give reference to what what would he look like in a typical year for him? How about 2022 when he was 12.8 expected wins added? Yeah, 
So how about so, how about ten extra wins for a full town season? And probably not quite because he's yeah. gonna do a little less with his team. Yeah. Ten wins seems like a lot to me. Does ten seem like a lot to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, there's there's ways that this doesn't work. It's the offense still doesn't get there that they just don't have the shooting. Um, I will say again, I'm never going to overreact to preseason, but I will say that I find that the NBA preseason is indicative of things that you can look for. I found it to be that the stuff that I've seen in preseason has carried over. Well, it's very rare that I'm like, man, that team looked awesome in the preseason and and now they're garbage or vice versa. And the opening game, we've only got one under our belts as we record this, but they looked like they played with force, intensity, continuity, and real intention in that first game versus the Mavericks. And Towns Mm -hmm. looked awesome, and that was without Ant. Uh, You were lower on Finch when we had a conversation, I think a year ago, about coaches. Where are you at on Chris Finch right now? I believe you, but I don't remember the, the period when I was low on him. I've been generally high on him. I, I wonder if it was maybe like a, a well, they, I think they started out poorly last year, and I was very, very down on the Rudy Gobert trade landscape of what it did for the franchise long term, which Understandably. You know, I still need some convincing. Yep. So I, I think it was probably around that sort of a moment. I like Finch. Like when we did our Coach of the Year podcast, Chris Finch is one of my bets, and I, I was surprised by this. I think you'll be surprised by this too. I believe you when you said every time we've done the podcast, I'm down on bulls. I'm down on wolves. I've never said positive things. That sounds like the me that I know too. I bet on Chris Finch last year to be coach of the year. I I, I apparently bet. Maybe I bet did the like variance thing. I I was, I think it was on the over last year. I think I like believed in Minnesota's upside and maybe knowing myself, maybe that's where I was at my down spot on Finch is maybe I was like, ah, doggone it. I believed in them for once. And now they're not looking good right away. Yeah, Towns is really good. Carl Anthony Towns is a really good player. Is he overpaid? Is he on way too big of a contract? Should they not have taken him off of center? Yes, I have thoughts on all of those things. He's still a really good player that is going to make your team a lot better when he's out there. So I want to ask you this. This interesting thing. I When I do my part of my process, is as you know, I do like comparisons for the teams. And what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, if you're offensively ninth and defensively 10th, what team does that look like historically? In the last like five years, who does that compare to? And I don't bring this up too often, but one that I noticed here that a a common comp for the Timberwolves that is sort of hilarious and doesn't make sense to me, but sort of does. I've got Minnesota compared to Philadelphia 2022 Philadelphia 2020, Philadelphia 2019. Like the Sixers that we've seen in recent years are the team that keeps coming up as like, yep, right around top 10 offense and defense. And it's obviously a team built around a star big man in the middle. I don't know. What do you think? Like it's very, very different team. We've had the cat and Embiid thing over the years. Is, is that a comp? As far as like a regular season profile of a team that sort of makes sense to you, it it makes no sense, but some sense to me at the same time. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Doc doesn't really get enough credit for the macro stuff that he does. He gets a lot of criticism, rightfully so, for the micro stuff. Not playing this guy, playing that guy instead, not making this change, those kind of things anytime he's got a lead in the series basically but the macro of of how he installs structure to a regular season approach gets in my opinion a little bit underrated and there's a reason that his teams have consistently won and he's had good talent but not like he hasn't coached like a lebron james team so to me there's a little bit of a a missing gap there i uh I can see some of the the similarities there in that there's a competency with the Wolves and there's a toughness too that was kind of a hallmark of the Doc teams. Like the Sixers were a pretty tough team last year and they were a pretty tough team the year before. They're not mentally tough, but they're physically tough. They play tough. And so I think there's, there is a, a little bit of that there with the Wolves too. Um, the final thing I'll say on, on Minnesota is if you ask the Denver Nuggets who was the toughest team that they faced in the playoffs, if you got them on <laughs> truth serum, they would be like, oh, they were all tough. You know, we had to go through LeBron and we had to go through, through, uh, you know, KD and book. And you imagine like book was so good. Truth serum. Most of them will say that Minnesota gave them the toughest test because they're extremely disciplined. They have the two big to defend Denver. And that doesn't really matter for this bet. 
But what it does kind of indicate to you is, in my opinion, is the market is not able to adequately rate this team for a number of reasons, which to me is another reason to take the over. Uh, I want to I add one quick thing. First of all, hang the banner, right? Hang the banner toughest out in the in yep. the playoffs. Put it up in the in the rafters. I just want to add for context for listeners because you're right. the The number on the division here is is it's jumping around. So. Just from my numbers personally, I said multi-unit bet at plus 700. I would multi-unit bet this down as low as a plus 400. That's a 20% implied. I have them at 40%. So I'm still double that number. That My number is wrong is what that tells me. Like I can't be that far off from it. But just if you're looking around, I want you to have that context. And secondly, as you know, Matt, I love to get my niche angles here. This jumps out to me as the exact order finish one two bet minnesota one denver two especially if i'm down on the other teams it jumps out to the books too the number is not a huge difference there so if you have that a bet available my decision was you know what if minnesota passes denver maybe it's because like yoga got hurt or or whatever reason like there, there are other reasons denver could fall far enough the numbers are close enough that it's not worth that risk to me so I would say from that perspective, you're trying to do the Brandon thing and get overly cute and cut out some of your options. I don't think I would play the one-two finish unless it's at least plus 200 more than just the division number. I like the division enough. I'm just going to take hopefully the win on that one. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Oklahoma City Thunder, who will be the darling of many of the hardcore fans this season and will probably be darlings of Brandon and I when he starts watching NBA again after football. Um, That's right. No, he'll still watch them. He'll. I, I know I'm going to get the text from, uh, from him about <laughs> how good Shay and Chet in particular uh, are. I can't wait to watch this team. The win total for Oklahoma City in the market on average comes out to 44. Brandon, where do you have them projected? And what do you think about how to play OKC in the futures market? So I lean under on this one. We're going to go head to head a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I I like this team. I don't want to really bet the under here. I have them at 16th on offense, 12th on defense. So kind of a, a round average on both of those. Project them at between 38 and 44 wins. So that whole range is just slightly under the number that we're getting here. That's why I lean under. I we're, we're adding Chad Holmgren is the big piece from last year that we're adding, obviously, assuming health. Um, I don't know what Chad's going to be yet. I'm very, have very high on him, as you know. I, I think he's going to add a lot defensively. I think he's going to fit in more seamlessly on offense than we would necessarily expect him to. And he's not going to be a huge impact, but I think he's going to just be like one of those holy cow, Chet's like 68% true shooting on his 12 points a game or whatever. Like, I don't think he's going to blow the counting numbers away, but we're going to have a lot of like pretty advanced stats with them. Um, you know, the body type, the fouls, all that stuff's going to play in. If Chet is awesome, as awesome as I want him to be, then I think this goes over. I'm being a little cautious there. The defense has gone from 24th to 18th to 14th with this team. And we, we love Mark Dagnalt. I think it's up to chat of where he can take them here. Um, I'm a little skeptical, as you can tell by the number. I'm a little skeptical on the offense still. Like, I love Shea. It's not a bet against Shea. Shea doesn't always stay healthy, and it's a, it's a little bit too much on him. I'm not a big believer in Josh Giddy. I know you're going to fight me on that one. I love Jalen Williams, but he's young. The 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 more offensive Jalen Williams is not the center. Um if Shea doesn't have another super duper duper star season, and he just might, 
I, then I worry that the offense might not have enough weapons yet as they're kind of still building and coming together. I, I like them. I like the team. I don't really want to bet against them. It to me is just, it's, it's a high number. It's 44 and a half. Growth is not linear. They remind me a little bit of, of where I've thought on some of the teams on that in the last year. And I mentioned too, with the Timberwolves, they're a team that is the books are way off on the thunder are the opposite. Three of the last five years, the Thunder finished within a half a win of the posted win total. So so as much as books are like, Timberwolves, I don't know. They're like, oh, like the, that tells me the Thunder are going to win like 43 to 45 wins. Like they're, they're right there. They overperform under Dagnalt every year until last season. It's a good team. 45 wins is a lot. 45 wins means you're like a really, really good, definitely playoff team. I don't think I'm quite there yet on the team. So I think this is similar to the problem that you have with the Rockets, which makes sense because OKC and Houston are kind of two sides of the same coin. Similar and, one of the lines, things, yeah. and one of the things there is that you're not. Well, let me ask you, how much do you think you're projecting internal development? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely obviously I'm taking that into play. I think that. I think the problem with both of these rosters that you bring up, I'm I am projecting internal development, but I'm also projecting internal development in the way that I have scouted these players from college. Yeah, and that may not be fair, but it, it's me saying, you know what, yeah. I wasn't in on this prospect, and even if he's better than that now, I'm not saying well, I'm still right. He's going to be bad now, but it's it's like it's Bayesian theory. Like I'm going to take what I felt before and what I'm seeing and weigh both parts together going forward. So it's it's guys like a Jalen Green on Houston or or like Giddy. I don't love the fit with Giddy on, on what it looks like for a great team. I like him a lot better for a positive floor raising sort of team. Lou Dort is a guy, a similar sort of thing, like uh, Aaron Wiggins, your Jalen Williams, the, the Arkansas guy. I just, th- these are a lot of like nice pieces. And I think Oklahoma City is a nice team. But to to go to that next level now, to like become the Grizzlies that I think they'd like to be maybe as a franchise, I think it's time now. And you you know, for years, I've begged for the Grizzlies consolidation trade. And you kept, I was being like, no, nope, not yet. You know, you got you to gotta just take your time and do this the right way. And, you know, we love Sam Presti. He's doing it the right way. I, I'm counting on internal development, but I'm also still skeptical of some of the guys that I came into the league skeptical on. So it's yeah. it's half and half there. So I, like I don't really get the the giddy skepticism. He stands out on film as uh, a really impactful player. He's smart. He's crappy. Um, he definitely I think makes his teammates better. I don't necessarily know that like he, he it, I don't want him being like the primary offensive weapon. But why would he ever be that when you have Shea Gilgis Alexander? Um, I will say, I, I'll say this, that um, Giddy was 55th percentile in EPM, by the way, last season. But part of this, I will say, is is part and partial to, we talked about this on MVP. If I'm right and OKC is going to be as good as I think that they're mm-hmm. going to be, then I have to bet Shea Gildas-Alexander because his numbers are going to get him in the conversation, even though the seeding is going to make it tough for him to win. Like, seeding is going to make it tough. But... I also look at this and I go, okay, what if they have a year where the positive outcomes go their way? If they have like, if Jalen Williams regresses, if Chet has problems with the physicality, um, which I think what are unknown still on this roster, if they're just too young, right? I mean, do, do, do you do you fear the Shea injury thing at all? I feel like Shea has never really had a full healthy season till last year, but maybe that's just because they're shutting him down to tank at the end. Yeah, so I that's my thing. He was at 68 last year. And there was just like following that injury track, there was a lot of information that suggested that like, if they really want a lot of this is not that you don't keep them out to tank. You're just like, we, it doesn't matter if we make the play in or not. It doesn't matter if we get the eight seed or not. Like our goals are long-term. And so if we get those things great, right? Like they made the play in. But it's not something that they're going to push for. I do think that this year is a little bit different in that regard. It's percentages, right? Yeah. They're not going to play Shea Gillis-Alexander if there's a high risk of injury. They're not going to play Shea Gillis-Alexander if there's a medium risk of long-term injury. But last year, if there was like a moderately low 
like right. low to moderate risk of injury. They would have been like, absolutely not. And this year they will probably be like, okay, yeah, he's got to play. Um, and that I think is, is one of the differences here. I think the Victor Oladipo thing is actually a little underrated. I think that he brings something to the table that, uh, they're going to need just, they need a couple of veterans. I think that's going to help them out with what this kind of, this roster does look like. I actually like the Davis Bertan, Bertans pickup because it gives them an actual like pure shooter. I just want like pure shooting dudes on the team and this gives them another one of those dudes. Um, so if we look at the internal development, Shea's progression, Chet coming in, and then the biggest thing here is coaching. This is Mark yep. Dagonal is awesome. And that's not what I see. I'm not telling you that I'm like the sets that he run because that's how most Twitter conversation about coaches is. It's does he put in the right players and like how are his ATOs? I am telling you that talking to like when I ask people in the league, including coaches, about OKC. They are just like, I hate playing them. It's a nightmare. They're disciplined. They're strong. They're so athletic. And they know how to play. There is such a focused discipline with this team. And those teams tend, when they have the talent and intention to do so, to win quite a few games in the regular season. I don't have this projected like way over. This is not a multi-unit bet for me. Um, I have them projected uh, only at 46.4 versus a 44 average line. So like there's numbers in the market that I would be like, yeah, it's probably a pass, but there are also numbers in the market where I think that it's probably worth a bet. I don't, this puts them in range of the division. I don't know that yeah. I want the division bet. Like I, I'm good with just the wolves. And if we get to mid season and we have a Kings type thing where it's like, OKC's leading in January and the market's still like, nope, it's going to be nuggets. Then I'm, yeah. I'm going to bet OKC. That's because OKC, I think is one team that, uh, the books are in a tough place with. I think the sharps like OKC a lot because they have models. I think the public ignores them. So you have a small sample bet that leans towards higher outcomes because of the way that there's a a, a perceived uh, element on them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I think we're relatively similar on them. My win range total is just like a slightly, you know, a few wins lower than yours. So yeah. and when I do like a, the ranges are not like the realms of possibility. I'm probably looking at like 10th to 90th percentile outcomes. Yeah. So my 90th percentile outcome is at 44, 45 wins. That still is below my 10th percentile outcomes for both Denver and for Minnesota. So not a division play for me. I want to run the numbers past you from January 1 forward. And I know you know this, but I want to—I want you to explain to me in basketball reasons which of the stuff you think is real and in which maybe won't come through. So January, January 1st forward, OKC, as you know, I'm sure was awesome. They jumped to plus 3.1 net rating, 11th in net rating. They're 25 and 21. And the big change by the numbers was offense. They jumped to 117 offensive rating. They went huge up in free throw rate. They had a huge boost in offensive rebounding. They did not really go up in EFG, which, as we've talked about, is kind of the main predictor. And then defensively, they forced a ton of turnovers. So I think you've watched this team more closely than I have. How much of that stuff that I just said, that profile, do you think is real and stuff that's going to continue forward? Or is some of that maybe due to regress my interpretation by the data i think obviously is i'm expecting some of that to regress where my fears with the offense are but that's what the stats are telling me do you feel like that's the profile and that's just that's coaching and that's the team we're going to see with the personnel and it's going to continue those trends one thing i will tell you is that they got they they moved off of um last like a lot of this is, is really quite honestly, uh, Isaiah Joe shot the lights out. Like he was, that dude can he was shoot an absolute, the ball. Holy cow. He, is, he just shot the absolute freaking lights out. Uh, they played a little bit. They did pick up their pace. It's one of the things that I noticed. And they also, I think, were one of the teams that benefited a lot from because they're so young. I think his teams got worn down as the season went on. OKC okay, so got a little bit stronger. Yeah. But I'll also say this. When they got through the first part of the season, they started shifting to how can we win these games? It wasn't, again, they took the passive approach with Shea, but they were actually like, what's going to, what's going to optimize us. And that I do think kind of matters is like, they started playing a lot more. They, uh, how can I put this? 
they didn't they didn't play Poku. <laughs> like a lot of this <laughs> is just that man is like they just didn't play Poku as much. Like Lou Dort played the most minutes uh, after the All Star break. Josh Giddy played the second most. Jalen Williams took on a bigger role instead of being like one of the rookies that was kind of in discussion. Like they started playing the guys that could really help them win, and that was I think a, lot, a large part of it. Is they started they did shift I think their priorities in the back half of the season, which is one of the reasons why we got very excited about them. That makes sense to me. All right. Uh, let's talk Utah. And this one will be pretty quick because look, I like the over average in the market for the Utah jazz 35.9. So roughly around 36 wins. Um, I look, my numbers say that I should have them over, but I am a little bit skeptical of my numbers because I don't know I think I'm probably underestimating the loss of veterans like Conley and even like Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt guys just knew how to play. I still very much like a lot of this roster and I still very much like Will Hardy. I'm not like crazy about it. I might, we'll see how they look in preseason. I think is kind of where I'm at with this team. If I watch them in preseason and I'm like, uh Oh, they look really good then I'm probably going to put a bet in on the over. But unless they blow me away in preseason, it's probably a stay away. I have them solidly over, but I may t- tick them down a notch. You know I'm a Lori marketing guy. I know you you were skeptical of them last year. You were a little bit more bearish on them this year. Give me the reasoning. Yeah, I'm I'm a pass on them, but I'm a, I lean under. I have them around 32 to 36 wins, so just slightly under the number right now, 36 and a half. I got them 19th on offense. I think they're fine on that end. I have them 26th defensively, still bottom five. And to me, that's the reason why I'm still skeptical here. So if you look back last year, obviously, I believe last year, this was one of my strongest underplays. I was certainly was on the under, and I think I was multiple units. And I tried to convince you, once they started trading the guys, Gobert and Donovan, that they're going to blow it up and do all, you know, get rid of everybody. And look how terrible they're going to be. And they, they didn't do that right away, in part because Will Hardy was awesome and Lowry was awesome right out of the gates. And they were shooting a ton of threes and doing some cool analytics stuff. And they started 10 and 3. And my bet was dead instantly. Like by one month into the season, my under was shot. <laughs> now, luckily, I was able to pick up on some of the things happening there and play some game to game stuff and get some of that back. After the 10 and 3 start, this is why I'm concerned. 27 and 42 the rest of the season. 115 offense, 117 defense, minus 2.1 net rating. So 24th in the league. And I know, I know they gave up at the end of the season. They put Lowry on the bench. They, they, they gave up. So again, the numbers, you could take that away, but it all counts. The defense, you know, I love my four factors. Defense got worse at all four factors, like significantly worse. And Walker Kessler, not a guy I was high on coming into the NBA. He's been great. He's, he's a very good anchor. There's not enough else defensively here for me to get too excited about personnel wise. And I know it's back to the coaching personnel thing, but like Walker can't do everything. I have a little bit of concern. You you and Lowry has sold me on who he is. He's a good player. I am concerned that while I like John Collins, the player, John is showing up and playing the four and moving Lowry back to the three. I don't love that. I feel like that might neuter some of the offensive advantages that put him in a really good spot to succeed. I need to see I need to see him there. And maybe that's just my skepticism on on marketing in general still kind of shining through, but I don't love that pairing. It's not going to be good defensively that specific pair, I don't think. And if it sort of hurts his offensive upside, it makes me a little worried. Um, we talked in the summer about this one. This was one of my initial under reads. I still think looking at like the big, big, big picture, like the multi-year picture, I don't know that Lowry is on this team permanently long-term. Like I still think that that Danny Ainge maybe considers him a trade piece at some point. So I think there's a chance this could go south, but I don't know. I don't have a strong play on the team. Will Hardy and, and Lowry proved me quite wrong last year. Um I, I like the Keontae George thing. I, I still don't love that they don't really have a point guard to like run stuff and run the offense. I don't like Jordan Clarkson. I don't want him handling my money. So it's just, it's not a team or a roster I believe a lot in. And yeah, it, it's not a team I have a strong feeling about. Like I clearly, I don't like them, but I don't have a strong read enough to play either way. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a lot of the, they're, they're not bad enough for you to be like, this team sucks and they're not, 
<laughs> and you don't like and you don't like any of their guys, so you're not gonna be like yeah. this team's awesome. Yeah. You just don't like any that's of their basically guys. It. That's okay. Like it's okay. Um one thing I would tell you is again, we we're limited in the ways that we can do this. Maybe division finishing possession is probably the best way hmm. to go about it. Uh, Interesting. In, in that, here's what I will tell you. The floor on this team is lower than last year's squad because they're younger. And if they get to a point, if this doesn't go well, if marketing regresses, if they are, if, if things are not going like they were last season, even like, I get the thing of the, after the first 10 games, this team was still pretty good until late in the season when they made like a direct, what, if you actually, if you follow back through it, here's basically what happened. Lori got hurt. They went in the tank. They brought Lori back, but they were clearly still, still basically like, no, we're good on the play in things. Like they were very, cl- that's the, the very clearly the, the direction. If they get to January and they're not good, this team may make a complete about face and go for the, the draft position. I will tell you that like Ainge is more likely to do the thing that drives you crazy and, and do, or do the thing that teams not doing drives you crazy and actually like reposition trade off Jordan Clarkson. Uh, trade off Kelly Olynyk, who's one of the most valuable trade pieces in the league. Yes, I said that. He really is. Contract, position, like everybody wants Kelly Olynyk, um, which means you have to have a high price for him, but he's not good enough to trade a high price for him. But he's gonna, they're going to keep getting offers. <laughs> and then like you look at the rest of the roster, and it's like, uh, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys on this roster have two years of NBA experience or less. And so if things go badly for the Jazz, I think they will absolutely pivot and they could finish fourth. The problem is, is what also what I've heard about what their intentions have been in the trade market. They talked to Miami about Tyler Hero. Like they were very serious about that deal. Um, Not as part of a Dame construction, as either part of the Dame construction or outside of it. They also were like, they called Portland and made a serious offer for Dame. And, well, and, and, like, and for Drew as well, correct? Yeah. Yes. And for Drew. Like, th- they have been involved in these, in these discussions. They want to move some of these guys to get a, another guy to go with Morkinen. Hmm. And so that's probably going, even if it's not a guy that you like, like Tyler Hero, right. that's going to change the direction of the team and it will shift what their approach is. Like, if they pull off that trade, they're not going to tank. And so the upside of this team is considerable. Um, I think marketing is great. You know, the Collins thing I think is fair to, to be a little bit skeptical of, but I, I at least trust Will Hardy to come up with some better, sure. more inventive answers. I'm pretty high on Colin Sexton. I know that that doesn't sound right, but I was very low on him in Cleveland. I think he's actually developing in the right direction. He just needs to get healthy. I like hmm. the rookies. I really liked what I saw from THT last year. I like a lot of these guys, which is why I'm a little bit higher, I think, on the over. But this is also, look, from a, my, my projections are based off of power rating. I had a minus 0.8 in raw last year. That's non-adjusted, just like this is what the numbers spit out. I only improved them to minus 0.5. Hmm. That's all I put them up to was like, they'll play Laurie more. They'll try a little bit harder internal development. And they still get to 40 wins under that under that principle. Last one for you. When Laurie Markkinen played last season, they won 49% of their games. Hmm. They were 49% straight up when Laurie played last season. That to me is like, that's a reason not to play the under. That you're talking about a, a, essentially a four-game difference at that figure between if Laurie, and Laurie's going to miss games for sure. But that doesn't give you enough of a of a clearance room, I don't think, there for you to feel good about the under. Yeah, I think maybe what what I'm hearing from what you're describing and makes sense is we talked about like uh, on the last podcast uh, we talked about like the Pelicans as a high variance team. We've done that with teams where don't play the median outcome, play the tail ends outcomes. It feels like Utah is maybe a lower end version of that. Like it sounds like we're saying maybe this is not a median outcome team. And the the win totals tell us that. If you look back the last four years, three of the last four years, they, the Jazz have finished off of the posted win total by at least nine and a half wins. So that clearly that happened last year. The win total was quite low and they cleared it way early and crushed my under. So maybe, you know, if you're right and if the Jazz are good and if they go and add a player, 
then maybe you should be betting this team to to make the play in or make the playoffs even straight up. If they don't, and we know that Danny Ainge can pull the ripcord, then maybe you need to be betting the alt under, not just the under here. And you go for like, you know, an under 30 or something and they go into the tank because this is the sort of team like Danny's going to decide which direction are we going. And if you're right, and if Lowry's good and Collins fits in and Sexton's good and all the pieces are fitting, then maybe they just go and maybe they get into the 40s then. And if if they're not or the injuries happen or whatever, maybe we go down to the low 30s and below. So I think that confirms for me passing, but it might be worth it. If you feel, if you're listening, if you feel like you have a pretty strong lean toward one of those outcomes, I think don't play the over-under. I think play an alternate version somehow and play play a line a few above or below, perhaps. Under 10 and a half seating is plus 200. So that's, Fifth, that's to miss the play-in. Uh, that's to make the play-in. Oh, that's if to you make. Get, You're right. That's, that's yeah. to at least make the play-in. Yeah. And then division finishing position, if you think they finish worse than Portland, plus 235. So yeah, like, even, even odds to finish fourth. Basically saying, we know Portland's the worst. We know the other three are better. We're confident they're stuck in the middle. Again, I would not want to take that even odds to be fourth. I don't, I don't need the median outcome. I don't mind, from my perspective, nibbling that fifth-place finish because I think Portland is not abjectly terrible. I think that they're just bad. <laughs> we'll talk about them now. But if, if Utah pulls the ripcord and really goes for it, and we've seen them do that, then I think that that could even play as a low-end outcome. Should we do Portland now? Let's do Portland. So Portland in the market uh, after trading Damian Lillard and then trading through Holiday. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are at an average uh, 27.6 in the market. That's where their number lies. I think they're in a similar spot, I think, to where the Jazz were last year in that one of the reasons why I leaned towards the over and bet it last year was I was like, they got too many guys. Like, there's just, there's, there's, there's too many guys. It's, it's hard to be that bad when you have actual established NBA players. Yeah. You can yep. be terrible if you have fringe guys. But like, if we look at where the roster is right now, like guys that I expect to be in the league in three seasons, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Robert Williams, DeAndre Ayton, Jeremy Grant, Matisse Tybel. That's eight guys that I feel good about being in the NBA in three seasons. It's hard to be abjectly terrible when you have that many experienced NBA dudes and star talent in the case of Scoot Henderson. Um, what are your thoughts on the Blazers? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I don't know. Do you think Brogdon plays for this team? I, I'm kind of not counting him. Honestly, am, no. I, am I doing the the thing I did with the Jazz? Is that the yes. whole comp? It's like, oh, well, he's around until he's not around. <laughs> the the word is is they're like we really think he's valuable because they they what they wanted is they wanted someone to be the veteran guy that Scoot yeah. needs because he's not going to yeah. play. Shaden benefited from Dame, and Anthony yeah. benefited from Dame, but now they don't have Dame, so Brogdon kind of comes in and gets to be the guy that's like. He, you know, he's, he's been big in the MVPA. Uh, he's an exceptionally yep. smart player. Yep. He drives coaches nuts in part because of that. But that's like, yeah, I, that, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Like I, yeah. if he's willing to do that, his nickname, I don't know if this is the actual, it's like the basketball reference nickname. He's the president. He's from UVA. Yeah. Like everybody loves Malcolm Brockton. So if he's willing to be that role, I love that. Give, give me the, like, teach Scoot how to be a professional and be in the NBA role. Love that for him. Love that for, for Brogdon. Love that for the team. Yeah, I, I basically agree with you that I think the Jazz from last year is a pretty good count for the team where I'm really not all that high on, on guys like Shaden Sharp or Anthony Simons, like, long-term or, or where they're at right now. I don't love Jeremy Grant. I certainly did not love the contract they gave him. None of that stuff really matters. Today, right now, today, right now, they're all NBA dudes on an NBA roster. We're going to try. I will say this, a key difference between the Blazers versus last year's Jazz is last year's Jazz had Will Hardy, and we had a lot of good things we just said about Will Hardy, and this year's Blazers have Chauncey Billups, who is one of my favorite players, and I don't know if he's an NBA coach. 
I'm just going to say that. Been, Chauncey's <laughs> been an elite tank commander the last two seasons. He's an he incredible been. tank commander. He has been, but he has also led the team that was in position to have to tank at the end. I, I, if I had to, if I had to name the worst coach in the NBA, head coach, I think I'd probably have to pick Billups. He's certainly in my conversation until proven out. I want him to be good. He's from the University of Minnesota. I love him as a player. I, I think he is a like top fifteen all time point guard. I want Chauncey to be good. He's not Will Hardy. So we don't have that part of the factor here. Why I do kind of not like Portland, but why I, I initially I assumed Dame off the team, whatever comes in, they'll be terrible. They'll clearly be the worst team in the West. They might still be the worst team in the West. I kind of don't hate the defense here. They've been terrible defensively, but Aiden is solid. Time Lord is good. I kind of want to see them play together. I don't know. It doesn't sound like Portland's going to do that too much, but they'll probably try it at some point. I'm intrigued by that. They sound like they're going to play Matisse Thibel a lot, maybe even start him. I, I want him for steals per game, by the way. If that's the case, grab that ticket now. Like, there's some solid defense here. Scoot, I think, has at least... Scoot can be at least a neutral defender. Like, I don't know if he will be right away as a rookie, but, like, he has the tools there. I... I have them 22nd defensively. So I'm not exactly raving about their defense, but I thought I would have just had Portland like bottom three offense, bottom three defense, 20 win team, take the under any number you can get. Because I think the defense can at least be, again, bad, not abjectly terrible, then it kind of makes me less excited. I still lean under, I believe this first posted at one prominent book when it opened after the trade at 29 and a half. Is that is that right? Was there 29 yeah. and a half initially here? There was a 29 and a half in the market. Ludicrous yes. number. If, yes. if you have a 29 and a half, it's a full bet. Give me the full bet on the Portland Trailblazers under 29 and a half. I had a lean at 28 and a half. I have them at 23 to 29 wins. Again, it's that range where you probably are going to go in the tank at the end. A weird thing, though. This is not a great draft class. That like, There's no Wemby this year. There's There's no even close to it at the top of the class. So there's not someone you have to like just smoke at the end to get out of the way. Also, there just aren't terrible teams this year in the NBA. There's not a lot of them. So like you don't have to get to 17 wins to get one of those top picks this year. Like Portland might be able to like try most of the season, tank a little bit for a couple weeks at the end and still finish out like 24 wins and be top four odds. Like again, uh, you know, yeah. they wait, the jazz waited and like they had offers. They had yeah, offers all yeah. season for guys. But even if they traded one of the guys early, like think about this. Like if they trade, like let's say that the season starts off badly and they move Brogdon. Okay. You you still have Jeremy Grant and, and DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams alongside Matisse Tybel. And Scoot is going to be really good. And Scoot alongside a veteran team is a lot different than what we see from a lot of these other squads where it's like, like Victor Webanyama is on a team where the other good players are twenty three. Like Scoot Henderson's on a on a team where the other good players are twenty five, twenty seven. Like, and then there's also Anthony Anthony Simons, and so like, you know, there's just like a high capacity here for if Scoot is a is a winning basketball player, and I think you and I probably agree that he projects as such. He like. Scoot is not just going to be like he'll put up numbers, but I don't think Scoot Henderson's going to be empty calories. No. And I don't I don't want to go in on rookie point guards, but I will say, like, I went back and looked it up and rookie point guards numbers are not bad in terms of the over unders because mm. of the, the market expects it. Yeah, it's already priced right? up. Yeah. Again, I, I, I will say this. Um, I've downgraded them significantly. And I because of the, the amount of veterans on the roster, I can still only get them to 30. Mm. And so I have them over. I'm not going to bet it because fit is very weird here. It's just very weird. Like there's ways that, that it makes sense. But also a lot of this is like, I have to buy completely. I'll say this. If you're going to bet the over, you need to be like, yes, I believe in Shaden Sharp. Like that needs to be a big part of it is like, I believe Shaden Sharp is good because Shaden's going to play a ton. Like they'll, they'll play all these veterans, but Shaden Sharp's going to play. Scoot Henderson's going to play. Anthony Simons, I think, plays too. They're going to play the young guys. Like they will play the young guys. Yeah. And so you better believe that those guys are good and impactful. 
because the veterans aren't going to aren't going to be able to get them there if the rookies are taking them, the young guys are taking up most of the minutes, which I think they will. So let, let me ask you just a, a zoomed out big picture West com- uh, question. So yep. we did not, as we're recording, we have not recorded yet the Pacific Division. So I think you're going to listen to this one last, listen to Pacific last. The Pacific teams all made the postseason last year. So we have now talked about the bottom teams of the West. I think your four options, the way books are pricing it, is Portland or Utah. Probably not Utah at the dead bottom, but that's how they're in the mix. And then from the division that we've done already, San Antonio and Houston. Those are the four teams that are being priced as long shots to make the playoffs. Somebody has to be last in the West. Like somebody, we can't have them all win 30 games. That's not how the NBA works. We've watched enough years to know that. Who do you think is the bad team in the West? Like who who's last in the West between these teams? It's a good question, Brandon. It's and and as you're thinking, I'll, I'll point out that there will be a this year's Portland, a team that Dame got hurt, whoever their Dame yeah. is, and bottoms out. And maybe that's the answer. But you still have to pick somebody to like only win 25. And we kind of like the Spurs. And we talked about the floor on the Rockets. And we talked about the floor on the Blazers. And the Jazz are in the 30s. Like, we got to be wrong about something. Who's the bad team? I think it's for me, it's San Antonio. For me, it's like I can I can find reasons not to bet the over, um, but I can find reasons not to bet the over. I can't find reasons to bet the over. And that's tough. Like, it's just hard to get there. And the talent deficit is huge. Like we talked about, I made the case for him. But when I look at this, they're the most likely. But if you actually ask me, like I would if if you give me those four teams of the field, I'm probably taking the field. I think that some Hmm. team gets hit by disaster. And That's winds fair. up imploding completely and reversing course. I don't. I don't feel a slam dunk answer to this one. I think that I feel of those four teams that Portland has clearly the lowest floor to me, and I think that that's that's judging injury risk for Time Lord and Brogdon, who I'm factoring in right now. But maybe just maybe that's part of why they got traded away is they just can't give a lot anymore, or they get traded again. And I. We're going to see a lot of Simons and a lot of Shaden Sharp. And and we know I like to bet against young guys that I don't believe in, and I do not believe in those guys. So I think that's where I'm on the under here is because if I had to pick one, I think this is still my my bottom of the West team. But it's going to be interesting. There's there's not a clear – you know me. You know I love to be like, this team good, this team bad, bad against bad team. Like there, I, I want there to be a bad team in the West, and it could be an interesting conference. If we don't have a bad team night after night for a lot of months of basketball, maybe we'll find that team in the Pacific Division. We'll talk about that ah, next. Time. I like that teaser. Uh, reminder: We've got Nuggets unders, we've got Wolves overs, and division plays. Uh, I like the Thunder over. Brandon slight lean on the Thunder under, uh, and I like the Jazz over. Lean. Brandon leans Jazz under. No, I'm Brandon just a lean. pass on the Jazz. Pass on the Jazz, and we're both pass on on the Blazers. That'll wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time when we do the Pacific Division. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as the video crew over at Action for putting this up on YouTube. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get Buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.